Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osman, here with my friend and Chavruta, Ann Gordon. Today, we will be discussing Brachot Daf Nunhei, 55. Now, before we get into the Daf and discuss a little bit about the structure of today's Daf, and I'm sure those of you who have already learned the Daf realize how much is actually in this Daf, uh, which we said is going to be the case for this last parak of Brachot, we want to announce uh, something exciting about our end of Brachot. So we're coming soon to the close of the end of our first Masacha that we will be learning together, hopefully over the next seven and a half years. Hard to believe. And so Anne and I decided that we would love to have a virtual uh, seum with all of our fellow learners. Um, how are we planning to make that happen? So on Sunday, March 8th, God willing, we will be holding a seum over Zoom uh, at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. That will be at um, about 5 p.m. Israel time. Uh, we will be posting some more details about this on Sunday, March 1st. Uh, but please, we hope our co-learners will start thinking already about how they would like to contribute. Uh, we think the whole program will be around a half hour. And we're looking for people to share with us either their most interesting piece of brachot that they learned, uh, something that they thought about while they learned brachot, and we'll be making a seum together. And we hope that this is something that we will continue to do at the end of each masachet that we learn together. Did I leave any details out about that, Anne? Um, no, I think the only other detail is that on that day, we will also be releasing Shabbat Dafbet. Right, yes. I forgot to mention, <laughs> brachot actually ends, ends on Shabbat. But we were so enthusiastic of this idea of having a seum that we will be making the seum together on Sunday, but also starting uh, the beginning of the next Masachat Shabbat. So that should be a really fun and exciting day for our learning together. Now let's get started with today's tap. So I just want to go a little bit over the structure of what's happening in this tap and what's going to continue to happen over the next three dapim, on Nun He, Nun Bav, and Nun Zion. So the beginning of the tap starts with sort of a discussion of skulos, right? Certain things that we do that will bring about either good luck or something good that will happen in your life. And then it moves on to a topic of dreams. How do we understand dreams? Who gets good dreams? Who gets bad dreams? And how do we interpret dreams? And on the next few dapim after this one, it will even go through specific examples of if you see this in your dream, it can mean that. Uh, what's its connection to brachot? Why does it necessarily appear here? So very often when it starts to talk about the dreams, the formulation of the Gemara will be haroa, right? That if you see in a dream X, Y, and Z, and then it will go on to have a discussion about that. Uh, if you recall from the previous staff that we had on Nundalid, right, the Mishnah began with haroa right? Discussing that if somebody sees a miracle, one is supposed to make a blessing over that miracle. Or if you go to a place where that miracle happened, you make a particular blessing. And I think the connection here is that Chazal had a very deep understanding of what dreams were, uh, much deeper than we do today, although I'm sure there are people who do feel very uh, strongly that their dreams do have meanings and have special significance. Um, and that in a way, when we experience a dream or literally see that dream as we're sleeping, it, there's something miraculous or supernatural about it. And therefore, I think that's the connection to that original Mishnah, right? We're talking about Haroah, we're talking about witnessing or seeing something that is supernatural. The beginning, we begin with witness of miracles or visiting places where we know a miracle took place. And now we're going to get into the seeing or the witnessing of dreams and what do they mean practically for our actual lives. But before we get into the actual 
uh, piece about dreams. And I think there was something you wanted to share from the beginning of the death. Yeah, I find this stuff right with all the dreams. There's so much going on. But before we even before we get there, there's still so much going on. So we're obviously leaving plenty out. But here we go. Amar of Yehuda. I feel like this is important to know, right? Rabbi Yehuda says there are three things that can shorten a person's days and years. Namely, someone who is given a Sefer Torah and does not read from it. Someone who's given the right, to bench or, or other kinds of yeah, really to bench, um, to to make to say Berkat Hamazon over the coast shall bracha and he declines the honor, and somebody who can who conducts himself with an air of superiority. I'm reading here from the translation, but it, it does a good job of it, right? The idea of conducting oneself haughtily, and and that kind of is a theme of these three things that you know will curtail a person's days. Now. I'm not, that's not a scientific prescription, but certainly the message is if you are going to be given honors, then you, then you accept them, meaning like it is an honor. So, so act with humility and say, thank you and be gracious and, and carry on. Now, again, I'm sure we could talk about this for much longer, but I want to jump to my next um, little piece because really there's just, again, so much on the daf. Amar of Yochanan. Now, this is maybe frustrating. It says, Rabbi Yochanan says, God only gives, or not, he doesn't say only, God gives wisdom to those who have wisdom. It's a pasuk from Daniel, from the book of Daniel. And it says that, you know, again, it gives to those who already have understanding. So there's two ways to understand this, I think. But let's finish with this little piece of Gemara, and then I'll explain. So what happens? Rav Tachlifa comes from the West, meaning Israel goes to Bavel. And he says before Rabbi Abau, Rabbi Abau says, you learn the proof of this idea we learn it over from that verse. We learn it from a different verse, and the second verse is, um, In the hearts of anyone who is a who is a chacham lev, a skill who has skill, um, to that person God has given wisdom. And the difference between these two verses: one is He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who already have understanding, and the second verse is, to those who have skill, I give wisdom. Right. And the idea, I think, is the difference between these two is um, in the first case, it sounds like, wait, if the person's already wise, what does he need extra wisdom for? Right. Doesn't shouldn't you dole it out to the people who don't have wisdom and therefore should maybe benefit from it? And the idea here is, I think the second verse says somebody who is skilled will attain wisdom through through that skill, right? There's a little bit of a greater generosity in the second verse, I think. Um, and in the case of both of them, I think the idea is that, and certainly this is found throughout, say for Mishle, that those who have chokhmah, those who are wise, also then have the wisdom to recognize the wisdom that they are given from God when he bestows it upon us. So that it's not quite as, um, you know, giving good to those who are already good or, you know, giving wealth to those who are already wealthy. It's a little bit different than that because Chochmah itself um, is the, is the, is the, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, 
the benefit itself, right? If you are wise, then you get wisdom. Um, it comes together, or that is the reward, so to speak. Okay, Yardena, on to the dreams, unless you want to comment on these these two passages. No, I, let's, I think we should just keep you know moving through because we have so much that we want to talk about here. Um, the, the whole section on dreams is just fascinating to me. Um, and I wanted to focus in on one part, which is what do you do if you have a dream uh, that's not good? I'm a Rav Huna Bar-Ami, I'm a Rabbi Padat, I'm a Rabbi Yochanan. So Rav Huna Bar-Ami, in the name of Rabbi Padat, in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, says the following. If somebody sees a dream and their soul is, this word means like distraught, distressed. And I think we've all had that experience where we've dreamt something. I mean, at least I have. And you sort of wake up in a panic um, and you just feel off the whole rest of the day or sometimes even, you know, for, for a little while. So what should he do? He should go to, you know, to three people and have it interpreted. Okay, so the Gemara is asked a question. What do you mean by having it interpreted? Right? Rav Chista says, you know, if a dream's not interpreted, it's like a letter not read. In other words, saying, why would you want to interpret something that's bad? It's almost like better get it out of sight, out of mind. Don't even think about it anymore. Why would you actively want to think about how badly this could be, you know, that this actually could come to, to, to happen. So what do we say? You go, it's better that he goes in front of three people. And he says, I saw a good dream. So in other words, you don't say that you experienced that dream to be bad. You're going to go in front of these three people. And I think it's interesting that it's three people because in a way it's like convening a Besden over your bad dream, right? And you say, I saw something good. Then lemur lehana. Right. And so they say the following, right? It's good and let it be good. And can God make it good? And they should decree upon you from heaven seven times that it will be good and it will be good. So in other words, everybody sort of plays along with this and says, yep, you said it was good. So it must be a good dream. And not only should it be a good dream, you know, that God will make it good and that there just will be good from this dream. And then they go on and they should say the following. Right? Then, then they will recite three different uh, types of psukim, right? So it's a total of nine psukim on three different topics. Um, I'm not going to go through all three of the psukim, of all, you know, nine of the psukim, right? But the first one is, um, three verses that have to do with hafuchot, right? Like something that transforms or changes around, okay? Vishalosh pidiot, three that have to do with redemption and three that have to do with peace. Um, so I think this whole thing is very, very interesting that in a way what you do is, is that you go to other people and sort of want them to reaffirm for you, no, no, no. Maybe your initial feeling of how you felt about that dream is not true. And that's sort of, if you will it, if you just put out into the universe, it must be good, then it will actually be good. And as a guarantee of that, the three people are sort of supposed to recite these nine psukim, right? The first that it's three psukim of transformation, right? So the idea that I guess the original intention of that dream or that experience should be something that's transformed. It goes from bad to good, right? The next is three um, verses 
of redemption, right? So that whatever it is, it's that the person should be saved. And then the th third is, is three verses of Shalom, that ultimately the person should experience a sense of peace and of closure and not really continue to feel distraught over the dreams. I will give a full disclosure. I actually did this once. I can't recall now what the dream was about. And I'm not even sure that I would share it if I, if I did. But, but many that's years the proof. Ago. But right. that's the proof that it worked, right? right. That it was so that means it worked. Right. So I, I think it was over 10 years ago. I had some sort of very bad dream. And I actually did this um, in front of three people because I was very freaked out uh, about what the dream um, was. Um, and I think here there's a sensitivity to that, like people really can be distraught by what they experience or what they dream about. And then, you know, I guess the question is, is it that you're sort of seeing what will be or because you're so distraught, does it almost become like a self-fulfilling prophecy? Will you end up making decisions that almost make that thing end up happening here? Um, and I just love the idea also of sort of like turning to your friends, turning to your community in order to go through this. And it's not even that the person has to say what the dream was. Um, in fact, I think what this Gamar is saying is you don't say the dream, but it's more like you just go and you say, look, like I, I saw, you know, I had a great dream and everybody's saying to you, yes, whatever you saw was good and it's going to be good. And it's gonna turn from bad to good. You're gonna feel saved. And most importantly, you will have a sense of peace at the end of that. So I just thought this was a lovely way of dealing with what happens when we do have bad dreams and the Gemara really understanding sort of the emotional toll that dreams can actually have on people. Yes, I agree with you. Um, I think that the Gemara presents this in a very um, insightful and caring kind of way. I should, we oh, should can mention I say one more thing about that. And also the means. solution is not turning to God, but it's turning to your friends. I also thought that piece was really interesting. It's not like, there's a special prayer that you make. I mean, later on, on the top, they talk about that prayer that you can make, you know, during Berchas Kohanim, which appears in many Sidurim, that's sort of like, you know, that a dream that you have, that it should be for good. But it's interesting that that's not what the answer is. It's not that you give a particular type of bakasha to Hashem. It's really finding strength within your community in order to go forward. I think which sends a very beautiful message about reaching out to people when you're, you know, as, as it says here, when you have a, um, what? Nafsho aguma when your when your soul is distraught. Yes. Okay. I'm gonna. So from there, we're gonna again jump on the page. We should note, I guess, that Yosef, of course, is a hero here with his dreams that do and do not come true. Um, but we're not gonna delve into him right now. I want to get to to this point that you've just made about somebody whose soul is distraught because the next piece makes me think that that should be what happens. And and even the Gemara presents it or Rashi comments that, that that's kind of what's supposed to happen. Hang on. Amarav Huna. Adam Tov ain Marin Lo Kalam Tov. To for a good person, he's not given a good dream. And a bad person does not is not given or not shown a bad dream. Right? The idea is so there's I can give you two commentaries here which I think are necessary. The first is Rashi. Rashi says the good person is given is given a bad dream so that because of his righteousness he will worry about it and you know it will and then he won't he won't do he will continue to not do anything wrong and perhaps even you know there will be some benefit to the whatever the bad thing that he's now worrying about is and for the bad person then also he gets a good dream so that it will make him happy so that he will like continue without doing worse right and then the safari translation here which i believe is Rav Steinzel's, suggests that a good person is punished 
for re- relatively few, like somebody who's so good has very few chataim, very few sins. So he just gets punished with bad dreams and that's it, right? Like if that's your only punishment, you're doing pretty well. Uh, whereas a wicked person will get rewarded, right? With for his very few benefits with good dreams. And then presumably he will be punished in a, in a greater capacity at some other time. Yeah, the concept of this whole thing that like good people don't have good dreams and bad people don't have don't have bad dreams was very fascinating to me. And that almost in a way, dreams are picking up on sort of like your innermost innermost peace that people wouldn't even know about you. So that the good person will have a bad dream to reflect even the little piece of them that is bad. And that the bad person merits having a good dream because of the small piece of them that is good. You know, I think what's being expressed here is almost in a way like we don't really know anybody um, and that everybody has their things that they wrestle with either for good or for bad. Oh, that's lovely. I like that a lot more than my initial read, which was like, I don't understand. That's not fair. Why would a good person not have good dreams? But I, I think that this makes much more sense in the in the context of dreams, which is what we're talking about. And with this last piece, we're going to close for the day, but this is a good one. Amar Rav Bizna, Barzavda, Amar Rabbi Akiva, Amar Rabbi Panda, Amar Rav Nachum, Amar Rabbi Bira, Mishum Zaken Achad. All of these people, this long lane of transmission, quotes this in the name of one old Zaken. I mean, he is old, he is a Zaken. Umanu Rabbi Bana'a. Who is he? Rabbi Bana'a. And what did he say? Esrim Arba Potre Cholamota Yubi Yerushalayim. There were 24 interpreters of dreams in Jerusalem. And I'll note here that that's like a profession, right? Meaning they were experts. They were interpreters of dreams. Rabbi Bana dreamed a dream. And he went to each one of these 24 interpreters. And each one of them gave a different interpretation of the same one dream. And each one of them fulfilled it for me, right? It, 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 it rang true, each one of their interpretations. And he quotes, every dream, all the dreams go after meaning the mouth of the person who interprets it. So I find this very valuable for several reasons. First of all, as you're Danny, as you said, this is, you know, taking dream interpretation very seriously, that there's something meaningful about it, but also that there's something personal about it. And the idea that each dream can be multivalenced, right? Multi, have a multitude of meanings. Well, that is the experience of a dream, right? So often dreams are surreal. And to say, you have to interpret it this way or you have to interpret it that way, at some point that I feel like that would be a real conflict. Instead, the idea is that each one of these people gave their own, his own interpretation and, and each one of them rang true. Well, that to me rings true about the way we experience dreams. Um, and I think also, the idea that each dream is then interpreted according to the person who interprets it. So again, your data, this goes to your point about um about it being, you know, you say that it's good and then it's good, right? That in some ways interpreting it makes it so. But also there's a recognition that there's a human involvement here that that can turn a dream interpretation on its head, so to speak. And that the idea that each person can can perceive or focus on any one of these, you know, many different layers of meaning in one's dream, I think is both valuable, you know, in terms of the way the Gemara is presenting it, as opposed to it being hard and fast in any one direction, right? There's a diversity of opinions here. And also, I think it rings true. Like, it, I, I understand why all of these people continue to quote the this statement by Rabbi Bana, 
in, in terms of how dream interpretation is supposed to work. It's supposed to work that, you know, if the, if the interpretation rings true with you, then it's good. And if it contradicts a different one, but it still rings true with you, it's also good. That's also what was interesting here is that the Gemara on the one hand wants to start, and I think we'll see this more, even more so on the later dapping, that like, if you see this, it means that there's kind of a sense of strict interpretation, but then here it's sort of saying like, well, it can mean different things to different people and all those interpretations will come true. So I'm not quite sure how to mesh those two things together, um, but I think it also acknowledges that the visions we have and the dreams we have can mean different things to different people and that we could be presented with different perspectives on what their meaning are to our lives. And I'll just add that I think also that if you're the kind of person who says, oh, dreams, like it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. Why is the Gemara taking it, treating it like it does? I think the answer is that the Gemara treated it like it does because anything that was visionary or anything that felt like it was going to be visionary, they treated it as visionary. If we want to be rationalist about it today, we can do that too. And that's also part of the legitimate interpretations of the dreams. That's our DAF discussion for the day. Thank you for joining us. Find, rank us, review us everywhere you can find your podcast. Join our WhatsApp group. Uh, thank you to Michelle Farber for our presence there on her Hadron site. We really, really appreciate it. And join our conversation on our Facebook page, Talking Talmud. Until tomorrow, go and learn.